Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And you can find out more and give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Boom Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. My wife, Linda, the author of Greetings from Paradise, will be joining us as well. It is September the 21st, and on this day in 1780, during the American Revolutionary War, American General Benedict Arnold uh, met with British uh, Major John Andre to discuss handing over West Point to the British in return for a promise of a large sum of money and a high position in the British Army. The plot was foiled, and Arnold, a former American hero, became synonymous with the word traitor. Arnold was born in a well-respected family in Norwich, Connecticut, on January the 14th, 1741, he apprenticed with an apothecary and was a member of the militia during the French and Indian War. He later became a successful trader and joined the Continental Army with the Revolutionary War broke out between Great Britain and the 13 American colonies in 1775. When the war ended in 1783, the colonies had won their independence from Britain and formed a new nation, the United States. During the war, uh, Benedict Arnold proved himself a brave and skillful leader helping Ethan Allen's troops capture Fort Ticonderoga in 1775 and then participate in the successful attack on British Quebec later that year, which earned him a promotion to Brigadier General. distinguished himself in campaigns at Lake Champlain, Ridgefield, and Saratoga and gained the support of George Washington. However, Arnold had enemies within the military in 1777. Five men of lesser rank were promoted over him, over the course of the next few years, Arnold married for a second time, and he and his new wife lived a lavish lifestyle in Philadelphia, accumulating substantial debt. The debt and the resentment Arnold felt over not being promoted faster was motivating factors, they were motivating factors, in his choice to become a turncoat. In 1780, Arnold was given command of West Point in the American fort on the Hudson River, which later became West Point, uh, the uh, military academy. Arnold con- contracted or contacted Sir Henry Clinton, head of the British forces, and proposed handing over West Point and his men on September 21st of that year. Arnold met with Major Andre and made his traitorous pact. However, the conspiracy was uncovered and Andre was captured and executed. Arnold, the former American patriot, fled to the enemy side and went to lead British troops in Virginia and Connecticut. He later moved to England, where he never received all of what he was promised by the British, and he died in London on uh, June the 14th, 1801. <clears throat> Seems to me we've seen similar behavior from our own uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Miley, or Milley. U.S. stocks uh, fell sharply on Monday as investors worried about contagion from China. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell by 614 points, or 1.8%. The other Dow uh, averages fell at approximately the same amount. All the major indexes had been down for more earlier in the day before rebounding in the final hour by a couple of hundred points. Investors are worried about financial and economic contagion from the potential collapse of a giant Chinese property developer rather than uh, viral contagion from the coronavirus. A little backstory on this. It's kind of interesting that uh, Xi, the head of uh, Communist Chinese Party apparently wants to see the country go in a more socialist way rather than the capitalist ways that they've been developing recently under this dictatorship. So he might see this as an opportunity to uh, readjust the aim of the uh, government. Kind of interesting. We'll see how this develops. Republicans appear ready to claim more registered voters than Democrats in Florida for the first time in modern political history. Democrats have 23,055 more registered voters than Republicans in the Sunshine State. At the end of August, this was down from, get this, 700,000 voter advantage under President Barack Obama when he won the state in 2008. Without a full, frontal, professional, and accountable partisan effort to turn it around sometime before the end of the year, we will be more Republicans registered in Florida than Democrats. 
That's never happened before, said longtime Florida Democrat operative Steve Shale. And given that their voters have high turnout scores, this isn't a great place to start, he said. Quigley said Florida has more registered Republicans than Democrats heading into 2022 could lead to the state losing battleground states. That's the Democrats. Democrats in Florida are facing a five-alarm political fire headed into the 2022 midterms uh, political road. They've uh, known about it for years, but have been unable to extinguish the blaze. You may want to take a look at their policies. The state currently run by Ron DeSantis, governor, has now become more Republican over just one issue. Political said uh, lack of money and overall failure to prioritize voter registration and continued inter-party fighting that has split the party's resources all have contributed. It's a huge deal for Florida Democrats. I can't stress enough, said uh, another representative. Florida Democrat Party Chairman Manny Diaz <clears throat> maintains that Democrats are working to reverse the trend and the party registered 20,000 voters in September. We're starting to hit our stride and hopefully continue for us, said Diaz said. So uh, they're losing ground here in Florida. That's a good news. Uh, Congressman Waltz, Mike Waltz, uh, is a relentless fighter for the incredible people of Florida, Trump said. And a former U.S. Uh, Green Beret, Mike, is working hard in Congress to hold Joe Biden accountable for his colossal failure and deadly disaster in Afghanistan. He will not let the incompetent leader of our country get away with giving the Taliban $85 billion in American strategic military equipment, nor will we let anyone forget about our 13 great warriors whose lives were lost because of Biden's administrative incompetence. So true. So good news for uh, uh, Florida. For the first time by the end of the year, we'll have more Republicans than Democrats registered to vote. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and 25 other Republican governors uh, Monday demanded a meeting with the President, uh, President Biden about the southern border crisis. A crisis that began at our southern border now extends beyond to every state and requires immediate action before the situation worsens. Uh, the group wrote, which include Governor Texas uh, Governor Greg Abbott and Arizona Governor Doug Ducey. And while governors are doing what they can, our Constitution requires the president must faithfully execute the immigration laws passed by Congress. As the letter continues, not only has the federal government created a crisis, left our state to deal with challenges that only the federal government has the duty to solve. As president, you can have the ability to take action to protect America, restore security, and end the crisis now. Added before requesting an open and constructive dialogue regarding border enforcement on behalf of U.S. citizens in our states, and all those hoping to become U.S. citizens. A letter from the governor noted, border apprehensions have increased nearly 500% from the last year, with about 9,700 illegal migrant apprehensions that, uh, had previous criminal records. It's bad news. hope the governors get this meeting with the president, although I'm not sure he'll do much with it. Amyarcus, Department of uh, Homeland Security, he said yesterday that there is no crisis at the border. The borders are closed. Well, you can't solve a problem if you won't admit that it, that it exists. He's lying. In May, the Treasury Department released the Biden's administration's revenue proposals for the fiscal year 2022. One aspect of the document that's gone underreported is the administration's new plan for reporting requirements for financial institutions. The document is unequivocal about the administration's goal of financial reporting, stating, the proposal would create a comprehensive financial account in information reporting regime. The Biden administration's goal here is to increase tax revenue by making sure no income avoids detection. How will the administration do this? It plans to leverage financial institutions like banks. This requirement would apply to all businesses and personal accounts from financial institutions, the proposal reads, including bank, loan, and investment accounts, with the exception of accounts below a de minimis gross flow threshold of $600 or fair market of $600. In other words, financial institutions will report any flows in and out of business and personal accounts of more than $600. The reporting required is, is far more above the current requirements of financial institutions, which I think is about $10,000. Can you believe that? And it would be unbelievable, the government, the information the government has now on everything that's going on. What if that was weaponized? Can you imagine? It would be bad news. 
Some may view this proposal by the Biden administration positively. After all, this isn't an attempt to ra- at raising taxes. The goal of the policy is to ensure individuals pay what is legally required, isn't it? Well, I'm not so sure. It could be weaponized. That's my fear. And that's why the government should not know. The federal government should not have all the information they have, especially because of the income tax. Not on each and every uh, one of us. Joe Biden's presidency is hanging by a thread as his entire legislative agenda sits on the knife's edge of total failure. As it stands now, the passage of a $3.5 trillion Build Back Better budget, the party's cherished For the People Act voting rights bill, and the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed by the Senate earlier this summer are all going down to defeat. The radicals already believe they have a comp- a, uh, compromised enough Reducing the spending demands from an incomprehensible $6 trillion to a slightly less than insane $3.5 trillion, they are refusing to back the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill that is a hard deadline to be voted on on September the 27th, unless the $3.5 trillion budget is passed first. Looks like it's all going down to defeat. Wouldn't that be just wonderful news? Besides, that some Democrats are apparently waking up to the fact that the American people may love all the goodies that the Democrats have loaded in their bills, but are blanching in terror at the $4.7 trillion combined price tag of the budget and the infrastructure bills. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And that's just one of the initiatives you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. 
Coming up, I'm going to visit with Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. I understand you're in Tallahassee in the first week of committee meetings. Well, yes, I am. It, uh, you know, it, it came so quickly. It seemed that session is just over and we're back again. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a pretty eventful session, I think. Yeah, it's a, a particularly uh, interesting because you have redistricting going on, don't you? Yeah. <clears throat> yes, we do. In fact, the redistricting committee met for the first time yesterday. Um, and it's it's going to basically take all the air out of the room for this session because it's so contentious, even though uh, we we ha- are going to do it right, we're going to follow the law, and we've committed to do that, but obviously it's all political. Yeah. Uh, the courts have pretty well set the boundaries. It's very difficult to, in other words, I, I think you really you know, don't have a lot of uh, flexibility in, in the redistricting, do you? Well, the problem is that certain parts of the state have either shrunk or grown exponentially. Uh-huh. So you have to take that into consideration because the, each district has to be uh, roughly the same uh, population. So the, the lines will have to be redrawn. And it, it's also important to note that the, uh, the congressional districts and the Senate districts in the last go-round, uh, now I'm going to say I was in the House, and our House maps were uh, upheld by the court back then. So in any event, the congressional and the Senate districts were um, rejected by the court, the Supreme Court, and they took maps that were drawn by the League of Women Voters, who, as we know, are not uh, nonpartisan. Right. So as it, as it, if you look at the maps now objectively, they're <laughs> talk about gerrymandered. We won't do that. We're going to do it right. We're going to follow the law and uh, hopefully... And we know they're going to challenge it because they've already they have, the fair districts people have already said doesn't matter what you do we're going to file a lawsuit. <laughs> How crazy is that? It is <laughs> crazy. Well, uh, thanks for that clarification. I wasn't aware of that background. That's so interesting. You know, uh, the president now has cut back on the supply to Florida of the inter uh, uh, the monoclonal uh, antibodies. Yeah. And uh, to me, this just seems like retribution. Where's the concern for public health for crying out loud? It's absolute, uh, absolutely, it's uh, uh, retribution, um, I think. It's been proven effective in Florida, and because uh, the governor is at odds with the president, for, for good reason, uh, they're, they're basically uh, punishing us, and I believe, and I, I just think it's reprehensible because it's working, and our, our numbers are going way down, and people who are getting COVID are, are getting the monoclonal antibodies, treatment and are balancing back right away without having to go to the hospital. So um, I could understand if they said, okay, we have a limited supply countrywide and Florida's getting the most of the doses because we're the only state that actually started promoting it. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. (laughs) They're just limiting the supply to us. us. And it's not, I've never heard that there's a limited supply countrywide. Yeah, and the governor said, well, as usual, he's being re- resourceful. He's gone out to perhaps other vendors. He'll figure out a, a way to make sure that we're taken care of. But the whole thing is so... It's a problem because the federal government bought most of the doses, or if not most, all of them. Wow. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's so concerning. And the other uh, concern that I heard was that, uh, of course, they're trying to promote uh, ivermectin as some sort of a horse... <laughs> uh, thing for worms or whatever but the the point is that apparently it's it's proven to be pretty effective as a, a therapeutic if not a, a prophylactic and uh apparently some pharmacies are just not only fulfilling for pre- prescriptions for doctors even when they prescribe it can you imagine that yeah i had not heard that they weren't uh, fulfilling prescriptions that's a, there's a lot of legal issues i guess involved with <coughs> if they fill the prescription and something happens, what kind of liability they have, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I haven't really weighed in on that. I I have not researched uh, that. I, you know, it's not on our radar screen. Um, I, you know, I'm very supportive of the monoclonal antibodies simply because I had them. I had the treatment when I had COVID last January before I could get the vaccine shot. Um, but I don't know about the... Uh, yeah. Stuff. Well, I only say that I've... I've uh, 
talked with and heard from people that have been taking it. They said there's absolutely no downside to taking it and only upside. So uh, yeah. seems seems kind of ridiculous. But it sounds it also it of course uh, my political antenna up. It just seems so political. Also, I mean, what are they what are they trying to hide? What are they trying to to uh... everything is political these days. It's so it's really <coughs> sad. I, you know, you just can't. You can't. It's like we can't get our uh, ourselves out of a paper bag. Everything is politicized. Absolutely is. Well, can you make any comments, perhaps, about the, the committee meetings and what you expect here in the next? Uh, how long will they be going on, and uh, what's what do you hope yeah, to accomplish? We have, um, you know, session starts in January, so we are meeting um, every other week or so until uh, mid December. Uh, so that the committees can start reviewing the bills that are being filed, and then the budget committees can start hearing from agencies as to their budget requests. So that'll that'll occur throughout the fall. Um, you know, I chair the rules committee, uh, as you know, and and my my role is to review every bill that's filed mm. and reference it to uh, committees, uh, two, three, or four committees for. Review, you know, and that's how we make laws. You know, if somebody files a bill and it gets reviewed in committee, changes uh, are made based upon comments and input from the members. And you know, the last year, couple of years in the in the Senate, it's been a very cordial process. Um, Democrats, Republicans, all weigh in. The bills are amended accordingly, and you know, we uh, generally pass a really good work products that are bipartisan, you know, except for a few of the hot-button issues. And I'm hopeful that we'll do that again this session. Yeah, I hope so as well. well as you're speaking of this, I was just imagining reading every bill that's filed, which has got to be yeah. in the hundreds. That's got to just oh, <laughs> make you... Thousands. I, I, you know, I never... I've learned to speed read bills. <laughs> and so I'm getting pretty good at it. Because you can, you know... And again, the, the real problem for me, it's not the reading of the bills and referencing the committees. I'm reading them. I'm either saying, "Boy, this is a great bill," or "I really like this," or "Oh my God, how could they, how could they file this horrible bill?" Yeah. But that's not my role right now. My role is to refer to committees, so I have to, I have to be very disciplined in in how I look at these bills. Um, you know, I'll get my chance to vote on them. You know, in my committee or in a probes, and then on the floor. But in the beginning, I have to steal myself from saying, oh, well, I hate this bill, so I want to give it 14 yeah. committees. Yeah. So is that, that, that does give you a lot of power, though. I would imagine you you, uh, you understand which committees perhaps might be more supportive or not supportive. So it's... Uh, exactly. But I try, not to, uh, I try not to focus on that. That's not my... You know, I try to... What is the best committee to review the, the matters that are contained in the bill um, and... You know, sometimes I get it wrong. Hopefully, most of the time I get it right. Absolutely. Again, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo up in Madison, Wisconsin. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and now building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Bob. You know, I do not do Facebook. I don't go on social media, but I, and uh, we're probably the exception to the rule. But there was a big a series of articles in the Wall Street Journal regarding Facebook and Instagram, and apparently there are some real glitches in the platform, and one is having to do with teen mental health, and this really has to do with teens, teen girls accessing uh, Instagram, and they say that 33% of teen girls said that when they feel bad about their bodies, Instagram makes them feel worse. And I thought, well, then don't go on Instagram. But you know how they make it addictive with a thumbs up and thumbs down. Mm -hmm. And they say that uh, more than 40% of Instagram users are 22 years old and younger. And each day, 22 million teens log into Instagram Mm -hmm. in the United States. So it's a huge number. This is not, you know, an isolated event. And what happens is they, they look, if you go on to TikTok, this is what kids do, teenagers. If you go on to TikTok, that's a short video app, but it has to do with performance or telling something. Uh, users on Snapchat have video sharing, but they have the filters that they can uh, put on and it really focuses on the face, whereas Instagram focuses heavily on the body and lifestyle. Mm. Now, the interesting thing is Facebook knows about this. Mm-hmm. They've done studies. They understand internally that Facebook, because Facebook owns uh, Instagram, Facebook has made minimal efforts to address these issues and they play them down in public. Mm. Now, uh, so I- it's it, it's a big area of revenue for Facebook. These young kids on on Snap on um, Instagram. In fact, Facebook is thinking of rolling out a new platform of Instagram aimed specifically at just teens. Huh. Let's now, get them the really sick. Is out there <laughs> that it's detrimental. Why would they do that? Uh, money, money, money. Money, 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 exactly. So uh, I, I, I'm scratching my head, though, wondering how it could help. Uh, if, if, in fact, they're posting the pictures, why would they feel bad about themselves and their bodies if uh, they're the, making the posts? I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm just uh, not clear on why this creates mental health issues, although I do believe it does uh, for a variety of reasons, not just that, but a, a number of reasons. Uh, we've talked about the isolation. People have the... the uh, lack of socialization, a replacement for interacting with other people and so forth. All damaging, I think. But uh, Well, they're social comparisons. So uh, they, these young kids <coughs> assess their own worth, their own value, in relationship to how attractive someone else is, how uh, wealthy someone else is, how some other kid seems to 
have all the talent and the tickets and they're doing this and that. And you think, God, am I a loser? Um, You know, and then young kids internalize that. And then before you know it, they've got severe mental issues. Yeah. Reminds me. I I think it has to do with the immaturity of the age group as well. You know, they're under 22 years of age. Yeah. They're kids. Well, and of course, everybody wants to be part of the crowd and be on the in crowd too. Uh, you know, we become more differentiated as we age, apparently. It just all reminds me, though, of Saturday Night, skit, Saturday Night Live uh, skits by Al Franken, where he did the psychologist, and his line was, compare and despair, right? Compare, yes. Compare and yes. despair. There's always somebody bigger, smarter, more talented than you. That's exactly And, right. you know, when you get older, you go, oh, well. Yeah. That's all right. I like my life. I like who I am. Right. But we have the maturity to come to that conclusion. Young kids don't. Yeah. You know, they haven't had a chance to prove themselves. Yeah. And, you know, on Snapchat, people take photos of their food and, you know, how wonderful their life is and their vacations. And it's, it's the social comparison. Yeah, you know, I've never looked at uh, Snapchat. Hard to say, Snapchat. <laughs> But uh, it, it does bring an opportunity, though, to mention that uh, Getter, G-E-T-T-R, is a new social media outlet, which is really fantastic. And I think it's getting a lot of, it's signed up a couple million people only the first month of its existence. It's doing really well and uh, much more friendly, user-friendly, I think, than Facebook is. So I just encourage our listeners who are looking for a way to be able to express themselves without being for example, my wife Linda has been uh, censored and taken off of face- <laughs> Facebook. I can't even believe that. As has the President of the United States and others. Point maybe it's a badge of honor, really. For but but in any event, yeah. Uh, Getter is is another place to check out. Wow. Well, I think that's great. I think there should be healthier options. Mm-hmm. I think Facebook is so massive. Do you know that 90% of monthly users, 90% of monthly users on Facebook are outside of the U.S.? Huh. No, I did not know that. That's so interesting. It is. And what they're doing is there's a dark element, a very, very, very dark element on Facebook that has to do with drug cartels, murders, incitements, uh, where they have incitements to violence, government threats against pro-democracy campaigns, advertising for human trafficking. And it is going on, especially in other countries. And Facebook treats the harm that this is being done in developing countries as the cost of doing business. So there are drug cartels actively using it, the people in Facebook know that they are, but they're not taking down these horrific sites on Facebook. As an example, there are Facebook pages where they're shooting young men in the head, blood spurts out, there's a post that shows a man being beaten to death, tied to a chair, there's a trash bag full of severed hands, which is horrifying and this stuff and this is how drug cartels uh solicit new members for their gangs and it's all be done on facebook facebook knows about it and is is not being able to stay on top of it Uh, either not able to or unwilling to yeah that's just criminal and uh, can you imagine the president of the united states has been kicked off facebook and we have the taliban having its own yes. Facebook page, along with the cartel and others like that. It's just yeah, unimaginable. And it's, they're using it as a major tool of recruitment. Mm. Mm. I suggest if anybody has access to these articles, it is jaw-dropping, yeah, it's, uh, the articles. It's, it's, and I, I don't know how Facebook is going to respond to a lot of this. I know they've hauled Mike Zuckerberg in front of Congress a number of times, I think he acknowledges some of it, but I think from the internal documents that the Wall Street Journal has obtained, they're not really 
walking the talk. They're not really doing as much as they can be doing. Oh, absolutely. Boo, I just genuinely appreciate you bringing this to our attention. Boo Martin. Boy, am I a doom and gloom today, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah, I need something to pick me up here. <laughs> I know. My goodness. Usually I'm not, but I felt that these articles were important, and I suggest uh, people read them. Absolutely. Boo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great day, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Uh, tell us about Less Government. I can't. We don't have any. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you got too much of it. Yes, yes. <coughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah. We, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. Yes. Great column that you wrote. There's a government hall of fame, but government is awful at everything. I think it's so appropriate. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, yeah, yeah. I I realized the government hall of fame was kind of an interesting wrinkle. It was not when you, when I sit down to write. And I'm sure it's true for just about every you know person who writes these things. You start with a working title, and then you go, you know, you're researching as you're writing. You end up somewhere else by the time you write the piece, and often you have to rewrite the headline. Um, and I realized, I got to the end, and I went, man, I bet the Government Hall of Fame's a pretty good hook, because I don't think a lot of people know it exists. Right. And I just thought, to end a column with the gov- uh, about all about how government has failed at everything it does with, and here's the Government Hall of Fame, was, I thought, kind of funny. Um, the, I started out talking about how I, you know, I, I, I'm forced by my job to consume a lot of, pol- you know, political media and I, I'm screaming at television all the time, even on Fox, there's no one making the argument that government's terrible at everything. Mm-hmm. You know, they, we debate whether or not we can afford it and, and that doesn't work because we're 30 trillion, 
trillion dollars in debt, and no one cares. Right. Um, we're about to do the debt ceiling again, and it's always a perfunctory afterthought. Nobody, you know, some Republicans tried to make an issue of it seven or eight years ago for to oppose Obamacare, and um, they, they, they were attacked by everybody, including a bunch of Republicans. So, you know, saying we can't afford it doesn't work. Um, arguing about the tax increases for it um, is, is, is completely ridiculous. I mean, we've the, the top 1% pay 40% of the taxes already. We are the most taxed the rich country in the world right. already, and we keep shaving the, the, the narrow end of the upside-down pyramid that is our economy. Um, so that's not working, obviously. We're not winning that argument. Um, and then the, the closest anyone gets is, well, you know, the government's not very good at that, or, or the private sector does that better. That, that, you know, it's this weak gruel. And, you know, I, I'm surprised Fox doesn't have someone on the air. And I used to go on there all the time. I made the mistake of saying no twice, and that was the end of, you know how television is. You say no once, and if you get a second chance to say no, you, you're lucky. And I said no twice, so that was the end of me. But anyway, someone on Fox has to make the argument. Government's lousy at everything. Yeah. And it's, it's, you can't point to anything government does that hasn't been a disaster. You know, I, I wrote an article years ago how, you know, D.C.'s warped definition of success. I found, you know, every time somebody references Social Security or Medicare, they talk about what a success it has been. Yeah. What an amazing success. Brian Reddle, you know, who's a friend of mine, I don't know him very well, but I, I know him from D.C., uh, was on the... Uh, was a relevant committee, I think the uh, Ways and Means Committee or something, and wrote a report last year about the $100 trillion short Medicare and Social Security are in the next 30 years. Right. In the next 30 years, they, they, they currently have $100 trillion in liabilities for which they do not have any money. Right. Only in D.C. can that be considered a success. Right. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, they want Medicare for all, which is the Veterans Administration. That's been socialized. That's been completely government medicine for 200 years. And that's a disaster. Um, hell, Hollywood made a movie in 1983, I believe, called Article 29. I think that's the name of it. Article 99. And it was, it was all about how awful the VA hospital was. The right. VA hospital. Right. Ray Liotta and Keeper Sutherland. And, and um, anyway, I mean, it's just been known forever that the, it's a disaster. We find out there's thousands of hundreds of thousands of people dying on secret waiting lists. They kept two books. Right. The public book that showed everybody got seen by doctors, and then the actual book where hundreds of thousands of people were waiting for years to see a doctor in the VA. Sounds like so, the CDC. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't even get into COVID and, yeah. and what a disaster that's been. And, and, and now we're finding, you know, uh, you just saw Project, uh, this came out after, you know, I wrote the piece. But Project Veritas has the video with the Health and Human Services whistleblower yeah. where the, the government's not letting them uh, pre uh, prescribe or, or give ivermectin. They're, they're, they're seeing dozens and dozens of people in this one Indian, uh, Indian health care facility uh, all, all reacting negatively, having heart issues in teenagers yep. in, response, in reaction to the, the vaccine. And they're hiding that. I mean, it's just, it, government's a disaster. Uh, you know, I want to just underscore that Project Veritas video. It's about 10 minutes long. And if you, if you have, our listeners have an opportunity to see the video, it is well worth watching. A federal employee basically ratting on the fact that they're, they're not reporting stuff. They're trying to make, uh, put a happy face on everything that's happening with regard to the vaccines. Are you there, Seton? Hello, Seton. Are you there? I think I've lost Seton Motley. My goodness. Well, that's Seton. <laughs> I've lost Seton. All right. Well, anyhow, uh, he makes a great point. And the fact of the matter is the government doesn't do anything. Well, in fact, what happens is they usually, through legislation, create a problem. And uh, then, I bet you that's Seton. Let me just find out. Seton, is that you? Seton? Sorry about that, Mike. My phone crapped out. I don't know what happened. Well, uh, um, I lost you. <laughs> so anyhow, welcome back. Thank you. So, so yeah, the, the, uh, you were talking about the Veritas video when I crapped out. 
But um, yeah, I mean, now you know they're awful at that. They, 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 and yet, despite this history, this unbroken line of failures, we've got uh, you know Biden wants to. We spend four point eight trillion dollars this year. That's what the federal government's spending. Biden's budget calls for six point zero one or one one trillion next year. Yeah. Uh, plus, they want to spend five point four trillion on fake interference. Um, they just keep adding more. They keep failing more and more, and adding more and more to their portfolio. Yeah. And you know, when we've talked about this before, the, the, they want to spend sixty-five billion dollars on government in broadband. Yeah. And they, you know, the, the, the argument in DC has been, well, you know, obviously the internet providers want to take get the money. But they don't want the government setting up competitors to them, which I completely understand. You know, you don't want to pay the refs to compete against you. Right. That's, that's, that's not fun. But now the House Ways and Means Committee, Democrat-run, obviously, slipped in a, a thing. Basically, it was a poison pill against the money going to anywhere but government-run broadband companies. Yeah. That's just and a there's a website called Broadband Boondoggles, not my website, and it, it chronicles the more than 450 failed attempts by go- local governments, county, you know, state, uh, city, to, uh, to to try to pretend to be a broadband provider, and of course they fail yeah, every time. Absolutely, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They just keep throwing more money at, at, at failure. It's unbelievable. Seton Molly, again, the founder and president of Let's Go. I really appreciate you bringing these issues to our attention, Seton. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Sorry about the crap out. Thank you. Uh, no worries, Seton. Thank you as well. And again, uh, lessgovernment.org is the website, lessgovernment.org. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden, the author of Greetings from Paradise. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. Uh, She's my wife. She's also the author of a very entertaining newsletter she sends out periodically. It's called Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. So it looks like this president's popularity is plummeting. It's in the 30% area with independents. 
he's just imploding in every aspect. The only thing he had going for him, oh, by the way, while I'm remembering this, is um, the COVID response. They, people thought he was doing a good job with the COVID response. Now that's imploding as well. Not anymore. I mean, everybody, a lot of people are very... A lot of people who say yeah, everybody should get vaccinated, but say it should be an individual choice. Even those that are vaccinated, some, some people are saying that as well. Of course, there are those that say, uh, this is the right thing to do, and uh, we should make decisions in your life. Your personal health care is none of your business. It's up to the state. But uh, now that's, uh, that's going underwater as well. So uh, when you t consider Afghanistan, when you consider uh, inflation, you consider the COVID response, when you consider all the things that are going on right there, the border. How about the border, huh? The borders, the borders exploding. But let me let's just um, go back to this this COVID thing for a second. Um, you know, people are waking up to the fact that all of this uh, COVID nonsense is is just this big plan. And I don't. It, it's astounding to me that more people aren't their eyes aren't open. Of course, um, when you when you Bill Maher posted on his show the other day that that uh, in Democrats, fifty percent of the, the Democrats feel that you're going to get um, hospitalized right away from COVID, and and when the fact is, um, the chances of being hospitalized for COVID is one one percent to one point five percent. But you know they they continue to move the goalposts, and people are so oblivious to it. Yeah. Here's here's the deal. They started the thing. It was three weeks to to um, flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. No hospitals being overrun. Then oh, we got to wear first. No masks aren't necessary. Then we've got to wear masks. Yeah. Then by the way, they talked everybody into wearing masks. So guess what happened? People wear masks. They get all these germs. Their immune systems are are um, harmed. So um, then people when they take the, off their masks, they get sick. And oh by the way, guess how many people who had masks, including children, are getting sick now because they forced the masks on. And now they're promoting, um, now then, and then they promoted all these vaccines so that the pharmaceutical companies could make billions of dollars. And now because the children are getting sick because they were forced to wear masks, they destroyed these little babies' immune system. The point made that little baby in that, in that video I showed you the other day yeah. was being tortured because they, they want to breathe. They don't want to have masks for, forced over. Their faces, but the but because as soon as people start waking up, oh, we got to move the goalposts again. Yeah. Here we got to move the goalposts again. Now people are just saying enough. And that Project Veritas uh, video that came out last night is absolute positive proof that we have been. What's yeah. a, what's a good word? Give, give some background on, on this video because I think it's really interesting. I mean, we have a federal employee. Uh, who is uh, speaking candidly to another She's a employee. whistleblower. A whistleblower. So maybe you could t uh, tell us about it. Well, this gal comes out, and, and you know I'm not going to elaborate on everything she said, but you can watch the video. Go to Project Veritas. By the way, um, uh, everybody, Facebook, Instagram, everybody has taken it down immediately. Yeah. What are they afraid of, do you suppose? Yeah. What are they afraid of? But this gal just says... You know, they just gave this vaccine to this young man. He got myocarditis. Everybody knows, everybody should know that this vaccine is crap, is pr pretty much what she says. And, and she did say that. I'm not, not, Linda's not exaggerating. She did say that. It's crap, is, a, is what she called it. And uh, it's creating all kinds of problems. And they're sweeping, she said, and they're sweeping the problems under the mat, is, is how she put it. Well, and, and, and guess what? That just tells you why healthcare workers won't take it yeah uh well there's a whole hospital that alabama yeah that basically said we're not <laughs> they quit <laughs> they're not going to take the vaccine and uh, some people are some uh, hospital uh, systems are starting to back off of the mandate because of because of this you know and i'm not saying and i don't think you're saying that there's not a, a real disease called covid there's people that are getting sick and they lose their taste all that is true but it's not a pandemic. The fact of the matter is it's extremely manageable, especially if you consider therapeutics like interclonal uh, antibodies and ivermectin, uh, which apparently uh, some pharmacies are now be not beginning to, they're not willing to. Uh, CBS and Walgreens, can you believe that? Yeah. They're, all part of the, they're all part of the big plan. And let's just, let's just back up for a minute about, about the um, coronavirus. 
Do you remember the numbers about how how survivable it is? Yeah. It's 99% survivable, which by the way is better than the regular flu. Flu. Yeah. But 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 these crooks and the CDC, I'm I'm throwing the blanket on everybody, the the pharmaceutical companies, the medical community, CDC, the FDA, NIH, everybody because they have fudged the numbers. Um I talked to a friend Monday who said that her, hu- her husband's brother died of pancreatic cancer and in the hospital, and they wanted to attach COVID yeah. to his death certificate. Yeah. And they, they stopped it. They stopped it. They have counted every single human being that has entered their doors as a COVID patient. Yeah. It made me suspicious when they put up a scoreboard about how many cases in each state and all that nonsense. And they never did that for the flu. They didn't do that for uh, suicides. They haven't done that for a number of things that are real uh, uh, drug overdoses. They haven't done that for other things that they're doing it for COVID. It makes no sense whatsoever. Well, initially, you know, you can understand, hey, something new is happening. It could be very serious. We do need a couple of weeks to kind of figure this out. Once that was done, though, and they had, quote, unquote, flattened the curve, lighten up, get rid of the mask mandates, and uh, let people take the therapeutics, take the vaccine if they want to and manage their own situation. So just so you know, um, uh, I mean, we've talked about it um, well, as we've been watching all these football games, but these college football games especially are packed to the gills with people. There's not a mask in sight. And oh, by the way, these mask mandates that they keep uh, pushing, what, they're absolutely admitting that their vaccine doesn't work. Right. I mean, it's just, just but, the, but at the college games, everybody is packed in there tight. There's no mask, no one cares. And they're chanting "F Joe Biden" <laughs> yeah. at every college game. They certainly are. In fact, that uh, thing, the the awards program the other night that nobody watches Emmys. Yeah, they they were all uh, uh, without masks as well. And that you see that in juxtaposition, this little baby with a mask on, that she's trying to take it off, and it's making it's her child upset. abuse. See, it is child abuse. It's just nothing. And it, to me, so now they're saying now the children are starting to get it. We've had six hundred deaths of children. My guess is not all kids are well. Some of them have underlying health conditions. So you know what they what they quoted the other day about kids during this quote unquote pandemic. The children have gained so much weight, mm-hmm. and and oh by not the way, not that we didn't have that problem in the first place. Well, exactly. But but guess what? One of the biggest problems uh, that that inhib- inhibit your immune system is obesity. Yeah. And so these kids are getting fat. Um, they've been stuck in a in a uh, controlled environment for months. Their immune system has been hampered by wearing these masks. Limited activity. You know what's really it what's, what's really scary, honey, is that they don't care how many people die in order to to push their narrative. They don't care. Certainly appears that way. I mean, uh, maybe. You know, caring is something that doesn't happen with a group. Something caring is something that happens on an individual basis. It's all collateral damage. But to a, you know, a group does not have a group does not have a conscience. <laughs> Put it that way. So, so before before you kick me off, real quick, let me just say, going back to the Biden debacle, um, he's dealing with with three disasters. One is the border. One is the fact that his drone strike to take out ISIS-K yeah. killed a family, including seven babies, seven children, right. and, and, and um, everyone is absolutely apoplectic about that. And then this, this coronavirus thing that they just, they just can't, um, uh, they can't move the goalposts fast enough. And the border, and there's so many different things that, that, that the problem, France... How can you, after uh, two and a half oh, centuries, how can, you, how can you upset one of our closest allies? It's unbelievable. Linda, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. I never have enough time. You're sometimes very worked up. It's good to see. Well, it's just, I'm so annoying. Yeah, anyway. it is. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He was really a leader of the space program back in the day. Uh, he's also the author of several books, uh, and his latest is What Makes Humans uh, Truly Special. No, I got the title wrong, but it's something to that effect. Anyhow, makes it exceptional. Thank you. 
So uh, we he'll be on the show as well, Professor Larry Bell. I hope I always appreciate your comments, by the way, on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.